Hello, this is Peter Jonathan Robertson with the 22nd episode from the PJ Archive. It's the first of a few interviews I've enjoyed doing with the American singer-songwriter Susanna Hoffs, who's experienced international success as lead singer with the great all-girl group The Bangles and as a solo artist. This interview took place in Los Angeles in 1991, when Susanna was promoting her first solo album, When You're a Boy. This is like a major step for you, isn't it, really, a solo album? Yeah, it, it is. It's sort of... Um, I've learned a lot in the last year and a half. It is a big step um, because I was very comfortable and safe in a way in the bangles, but it really felt like the thing to do. And um, it's interesting because I have, after having been away from the band for a while and kind of we were all sort of keeping our distance, we were sort of communicating again, and it's interesting to see where everyone's at. And we really are good friends, but... um, I just finished a tour also, and that, it just seems like um, I'm now working on new songs and I have a much clearer idea of what I want to do. So tell us about the ingredients of this album, as it were. Um, With this album, uh, I started writing almost immediately after the band finished their last tour, our last tour, and um, it just seemed like a flurry of activity for about six months of constant writing and um, I decided to work with, I renegotiated my contract with Columbia Records and I uh, got back in touch with the Bangles' old mentor, David Kahn. And the two of us began um, kind of putting ideas together for the record. And I guess the reason I wanted to work with David was um, it was such an overwhelming thing to be on my own and not have any partners, musically speaking, to work with because I didn't have a band. And so um, I, I turned to him and I think that was sort of my impulse to ease out, make the transition smooth between what it was like in the Bangles and being completely out there in the world on my own. Would you say it was inevitable that you, that you were going to go solo? Um, actually... It wasn't until the last year, I think, making the last album and then really doing the last tour that I really realized that it seemed the right thing to do. I'm not, I can't really say that it was inevitable. I wouldn't have, I was pretty committed. I mean, we were all very loyal. Um, It just seemed like it was becoming more and more difficult and more and more like four solo bands within the band. Everyone started to get... um, into writing on their own and sort of controlling their own songs and their own sound and it just it started to feel like not like a band anymore how would you describe the wrench of leaving them and now going solo well it was hard you know it it was it was scary and hard and i'm getting more and more comfortable with it every day and there's still moments when i miss being in a band and actually what what's happened is that when i got an opportunity to, to go on tour with Don Henley this summer. I, I had to put together a band, and I found myself so comfortable back working with a band, except that um, it was really interesting how the dynamics within bands can be different from situation to situation. I mean, the Bangles, I think one of the assets and one of the biggest problems of being in the Bangles were that we had four singer-songwriters within the band. I put together a band in two days of five guys that I sort of knew in L.A., some better than, than others, were just acquaintances, and 
we had the greatest time on the road this summer. We were writing. Everyone had more of a specific job that they did, and so it really worked better as a team. Then in the Bangles, there was a lot of that sort of healthy competition of everyone wanting their songs to be heard and their voice to be heard. And that, that was part of the struggle of being in that band. It's also why we had a certain sound. We had those harmonies and, you know. Was it all healthy competition, though? Was there a little bit of ugliness involved oh, in the split? There was definitely some ugliness. I mean, I, I don't even want to necessarily use that word, but it, there was, it was painful, you know. It, it, it was difficult every time we made an album to go through and figure out whose songs were going to be on the album, whose songs were going to be the singles. Um, and what, what happened in, in, with the Bangles was that a lot of times um, there was a little bit of animosity, I think, towards me because um, the record company kept releasing songs that I had written or sang as singles. And so it was sort of a catch-22 because, I mean, it was, it was a, a frustrating situation to be in. On the one hand, I was very happy and excited that some, someone liked my songs and wanted to release them as singles. But on the other hand, I felt this kind of frustration from the other girls, like, can't there be a perfect system where each one gets the exact number of songs released and the exact number of, uh, you know, it, it just, it, you can't really have a quota system for those kinds of things. And, so have you said goodbye for good, or might you get together again one day? Who knows? I mean, I never, I never rule out things like getting back together. Um, I, I, you know, I, I didn't lock the door and throw away the key, you know. But right now, it looks like everyone's really enjoying their soloness. And so, what are they doing, the other girls? Um, Writing songs. Debbie Peterson, who was our drummer, put together a group with Gina Shock, who was the drummer from the Go-Go's. So who knows what, what will happen with that. They're currently making an album together. Uh, Vicky and, and Michael are both writing songs. What about the, the competition from people like the Go-Go's? Did you ever feel that, or is it you just the, a separate band? Uh, we were a separate band. I think being an all-girl band, you are lumped in that category and compared with other all-girl bands, which always, I mean, obviously that will happen, but we always really wanted to make the point clear that um, we were just a band and compare us to the replacements or compare us to REM, but, you know, you don't have to just compare us to the Go-Go's, but people always did that. So how has your life changed since the Bangles have split up? Um, it's forced me to um, really face the work of being an artist and a songwriter and a performer on my own. I didn't have that safety net of the other girls to turn to. And um, it's actually been very challenging and good for me, I think. I think that people who knew me before the Bangles and knew me as a singer and a songwriter I have all these years been saying, you know, one of these days you really are going to have to sit by yourself in a room and just do it, and that's kind of what I needed to do. What about standing by yourself on stage? Isn't that going to be a bit spooky after um, being surrounded by your friends? It, it was difficult in some ways, but it was surprisingly comfortable. All those years of being in a band and touring, opening for other bands and headlining, and all, the, all those tours that the Bangles did, um, actually, I, I felt somewhat to be a veteran and it was it was nice that I still had to deal with pre-show nerves and everything that you go through but 
I, I felt pretty equipped to handle it, and I really did have a good time. I mean, there was one, a couple of shows on the tour where I opened the show that, um, and then Sting played, and then Don Henley, and that was really pretty thrilling for me. Not only was it exciting to be on the same stage as Sting and, and Henley, both of whom had been in bands like me, but um, it was just great to be sharing the stage with those guys and to watch how they had progressed from, from being in a band and, and see how they, they handled it. There's already talk now of you producing a second solo album oh, and yeah. even going on tour. What is the situation? Well, the situation is that I'm, I'm writing and I'm actually writing with the guys that are in my band, my touring band, and I'm going to make the album with them. They're going to play all the, the parts and it'll be... And then as soon as the record is ready to come out, we're going to do like either some sort of a club tour or some kind of tour instead of just going out and doing thousands of interviews and photo sessions, which I would much rather go out and, and play, because that's, that explains so many things. When you do go out and play, are you going to play the Bangles hit still, or is that something in the past now? Well, I did on tour this summer. There's a, a lot of those songs I love and I feel very connected to still. So I, I, haven't, I don't have my set list figured out, but I, I, don't have a, I do enjoy playing those songs, so as long as I enjoy playing them, I will. You're going to keep them in the encore, waiting, Why everyone not? waiting for it. Why not? I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't really feel this need to cut myself off from what the bangles were. I mean, it, it's almost kind of fun and funny to look back on, you know, some of the old footage of the bangles concerts and things, and it's just, it's just a progression, you know, it's one long road that you take, and you just develop and change and try to get better all the time. There's quite a lot of British interest in the album, isn't there, in the solo album. You've got John Entwistle from The Who involved, right. and you also did a David Bowie song, didn't That's you? That's right. Uh, I think Americans have always had a love for British music, and it kind of goes both ways. I think the British have always liked American music. So, yeah, I was really happy that I hear my videos got played a lot in Europe and on MTV, I guess, or the video channels in England. So that, that was very nice to know. Uh, you're basically a, an L.A. woman, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, I was born here, but, uh, and, I, and I live here, but I've had a great opportunity to travel since becoming a musician. Is this where you'll always live, do you think? Who knows? It's just, there's so many unanswered questions, and I've stopped trying to figure out all those answers. And I'm just, right now, I'm here, and I'm, I've traveled so much this year with going to Europe and Australia and Japan, and then all over the U.S. on tour, that it's kind of nice to be home. Can we talk a little bit about your backgrounds? You started off as a dancer, didn't you? Mm -hmm. well, that was your intention anyway. Yeah, I'm, I've always loved film and theater and dance and music and just the arts in general. And ever since I was probably four and I was listening to the Beatles, I knew that singing and dancing was something that I wanted to do. Um, there was a bit of family influence though, wasn't there, in the arts? Yeah, my mother's a writer and she was a painter and my, my father's a psychiatrist, but he was a closet artist. He, he, um, he paints a lot on the side too, so there was a lot of that. I, I was exposed to a lot, of, a lot of the arts. My parents always took us to museums and to great movies and plays and the ballet and stuff. And, and so at, I started out in elementary school studying ballet really seriously. And I continued studying dance at university too, at Berkeley, 
where I was in the dance company and part of the theater department. And then I switched and became an art major. And that was right around the time that a lot of punk rock and the club scene started happening. And I realized that I really wanted to do music because I was kind of fed up going from one audition to the other and always feeling like I was waiting for someone to give me permission to, to perform. And I didn't want to wait for anyone to give me permission. And it seemed like anyone could get a gig at a club if they knew a few good songs. And so that's when I decided to do music. Did your parents' careers, particularly your father's, in fact, help you to keep sort of stable in a very unstable career you chose? I think so. I mean, he's... Um, my parents have always been supportive, and I, I consider them... I respect them a lot, and they're, they're very intelligent, and, and because my father's a psychiatrist, I suppose he had a certain degree of understanding, especially being a psychiatrist in Hollywood, because a lot of his patients are in the business, so he, he did have some good advice, and um, yeah, I mean, it, it is, it's a very, as wonderful of, of a life it can be to be able to be a working artist. It can, there's a lot of pressure that goes with it and you do have to figure out how to deal with it. How do they deal with your success now? How do they feel about it? I think they feel very proud, you know, and um, happy for me and I don't know. I, I, uh, that's the sense I have. How do you get a fa I mean, you're living in Los Angeles and you always have done. How does the showbiz razzmatazz affect you? I mean, you're right in there now. Mm. Well, I sort of avoid the Hollywood, um, the trendy Hollywood scene because I think it can be very hurtful to people. I think that it's ultimately a very rejecting place and that it, it's kind of counterproductive to fall into that that world there's a Do you lot live a glamorous lifestyle in um i don't really think so i mean i think that i live um i i i tend to be driven to work all the time as opposed to just lavish in you know the 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 good life i mean i don't i don't really feel comfortable at parties and at premieres and things like that. I mean, I ha have been known to attend one or two in my life, but always with some feeling of discomfort, I must admit. So, I don't know. I'm not really a very Hollywood person. I grew up, although I grew up in L.A., I did grow up by the beach, which is kind of a whole different laid-back kind of scene. Is there anyone sharing your life at the moment? No, just my dog <laughs> and my friends and my band. I've spent a lot of time with my band right now. I'm solo in every, in every respect right now. Are you looking to get settled down one day and have children? And I would love to, but you know, you can't, you can't force that to happen. It has to kind of happen naturally. Is it best to meet someone outside the business, do you think? I think so, but that's hard to do too when, when you're so absorbed in just working. But um, it would be nice. So what are your personal hopes for the future then? Mm, to get married and settle down and have kids and keep writing and keep playing and keep performing. And uh, I'd love to do more things in film. I'm, I've always been obsessed with, with movies. I Is this another rock star who wants to be a great movie star? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I just like to work in movies. I don't know if I want to, I don't know that I want to be a movie star. Uh, I think being a movie star or a rock star there's a price that comes with it, you know, and, and I, st I would love to be able to go through life and be able to walk down the street without worrying about um, 
you know, being noticed or recognized or whatever. And, and I just, I, w I would just like to keep working, to be honest with you. I, I, um, everybody loves to feel that they created something and that it was successful. But as I say, there's a price that goes with stardom, I guess. So I would like to just, I would love to just hook up with one or two directors and just work with them, you know, on a regular basis. Well, let's talk about this album. How did the title come back? Because it seems very unusual. The When You're a Boy title? Um, it came, a, it's actually a lyric from the David Bowie song, Boys Keep Swinging, which I did on the album, I did Boys Keep Swinging. But, um, Why did you choose that track? It was just a chance to do something fun and different for me, and it, ha it sort of was a tongue-in-cheek attitude, and just thematically, I think it was kind of fun for a girl to sing that song because it was written by a man and sung by a man and um, I guess using that as the title when you're a boy was a way of coming up with something that seemed like an overall theme that all these songs were sort of dedicated and inspired by boys and relationships with men and boys the opposite sex and having been in an all-girl band to kind of turn it around other than that you wrote most of the songs on the album or well, you mm -hmm. co-wrote them at least yeah. what's your favorite my favorite, um, well, there's a song called Something New on the end of side one that's very um, strange because it's kind, of, it's kind of a pop song and it's kind of a folk song and it's a very understated vocal. It's very low. It's in a low key. And that was sort of a fun performance to do the opposite of what I normally do, which is belt out a song or, you know, go for the full full voice singing, you know. The full uh, Susanna. Yeah. <laughs> Unconditional Love is one that I didn't write, but it's, it's a personal favorite for me and one that I really enjoyed performing on the tour this summer. It wasn't a big hit, but it, was, it got airplay, which I was glad about. I mean, the album, I think, um, got a lot of people to know who I am and a lot of people to know me by name now, apart from the Bangles. But yeah, it, it got a lot of airplay, especially in um, Europe and abroad. Are you finding a lot of people comparing you to Belinda Carlisle? Well, they've always done that. It's the same thing as, as um, not really actually. Musically, I think we're worlds apart. Um, Belinda's a friend of mine and, and I know that she's had some success in, in England, a lot of success since she went solo. I think we're really different and I think it's that same uh, thing of people comparing the Bangles to the Go-Go's people are going to compare girl singers to other girl singers. But, um, and, and especially girl singers who were in girl bands. I, I really think it's kind of unfortunate in a way that people do that because it's not necessarily um, based on the music. It's more based on their idea of, you know, what it must have been like to be in an all-girl band. Everyone had the exact same experience and that's obviously not true. Bearing in mind what you've said about the bangles, it seems quite ironic you should write a song called My Side of the Bed. I know. Because, uh, well, that was the first song I wrote since the bangles broke up. And I wrote it with Billy Steinberg and Tom Kelly, who I've written a number of songs with, including Eternal Flame. Uh, and, yeah, that, that came out of just an idea I always had, I think, growing up, that people tend to sleep on the same side of the bed every night. Um, it's just... I guess an animal instinct to kind of go to that space because the bed is, is kind of an interesting 
important place, you know. I mean, it's where you dream and sleep and do other things, and I don't know. <laughs> How friendly are you with the other Bengals now? Um, quite friendly. I mean, we, we talk on the phone a lot. We haven't seen each other that much. I've been out of the country and on tour out of Los Angeles almost all of 1991, so I haven't seen them, but we do talk on the phone. Do you still look back with fondness at the days like Walk Like an Egyptian? And all oh, that yeah. Sort of I, mean, I actually played Walk Like an Egyptian and Manic Monday and um, some other ones from Eternal Flame in, in my concert this summer, and it was really fun. Which is your favorite Bangles song, then? Um, gosh, I like some of the really old ones, like Hero Takes a Fall, which was, one of the, was, was our first single on Columbia, and I like If She Knew What She Wants. How did that one come about? The Jules Shear song. Um, we had been, I had been a fan of his writing um, for a long time. And actually Michael, who was our bass player, Michael Steele, she was sort of an old friend of Jules. And somehow I got a tape of that song and I thought it would be great. Because there was a great hook in the harmony part, which was always something that the Bengals looked for. You know, these great harmony opportunities so uh we just recorded it and uh it's one a, of my favorites is there a bit of you in every song that you sing oh of course you know i i have to i i love writing songs but i also love interpreting other people's songs and um you always put yourself into it you it's hard to it's hard to really enjoy singing it or performing it if you if you don't connect to it what about the Egyptian connection? You've got no Egyptian roots, have you? No, no, I don't. That was a very quirky, abstract sort of song. And always, it was always kind of funny to us that it became one of our biggest hits because we really did it on a whim. But there was something very 60s about it to me that the original demo was a girl named Marty Jones saying it. She now makes her own records. But um, there was sort of this deadpan cool attitude in the song and it really doesn't make a lot of sense it just paints a lot of pictures and it gave you a chance to do a fun little dance didn't it it gave us a chance to do a dance and be silly and did you do the whistling on it no actually that was our producer david khan who produced my record Mm -hmm. now the other big hit as you said was the the eternal flame my eternal flame how did that come about that was a song, one of the first few songs I wrote with Billy Steinberg and Tom Kelly, and we just got together one day, and actually it was kind of bizarre. I was working on lyrics with Billy. We, we work on the lyrics first when, I, when we write together, and I was re- recalling this scene where the Bangles had gone to Graceland to visit the home of Elvis Presley, and we were standing out by where there's a little sort of grave site, actually, a little memorial area for Elvis and different family members right in the backyard. And it was kind of like we were redoing the scene in Spinal Tap where they sing at the grave. And the tour guide said, and, and there's the eternal flame. And, and it was raining the day we were there. And it was just this little plexiglass box that had a flame, but the flame was out. And, and Michael said, oh, well, I guess it's the semi-eternal flame. And I was telling Billy about this, and he just said, eternal flame, that's the name. We should label, name this song eternal flame. And we wrote the lyrics in about 10 minutes. It just, once you have a title, 
you can kind of piece it all together. That same thing happened with my side of the bed. Once I came up with that title, all of a sudden everything fell into place. But and then we just wrote this ballad to it, and it was. Really How does it feel when you spend ten minutes on a very simple idea like that, and then all over the world, everybody's playing your record? Yeah, I, it's a really rare thing for me when, when, and and we worked on the music for a long time, so it wasn't one of those songs that just came easy like that. I always hear about people who write things in their in their dreams, and they wake up and they've got, you know, every breath you take or something like that. But for me, it's always a long and difficult process of constant rewriting, but. To know that um, people are reacting and connecting to something that you came up with, an idea and a song or a, a performance that you've given on a record, and that it has that kind of impact is just an incredible feeling. It's, it really makes you feel good. Are you as inspired now as ever? More. <laughs> more than ever. Because I'm finally um, am doing it on my own, and I, I think it took me a long time to get to this place and I'm very happy to be here you know I'm very happy to I think taking risks and putting yourself out on the line is is a very important thing to do and you can't really grow otherwise and you have to know that you may fall flat on your face and have to pick yourself up again but that you you just it's very exhilarating to what take inspires risks. you though what inspires your writing um things that happen to me in life, feelings that I've had, strong feelings usually, situations with people or with friends or feelings about the world or fears, anxieties, it could be anything really. What do you do when you're not working? What do you do away from the music scene? Oh, um, well, I like to read and I like to go to movies and I like to spend time with friends and uh, lately I've been watching CNN a lot with these Thomas hearings. Have you been watching that or is that just an American phenomenon? Anyway, I like to be up on what's going on in the world and um, I like to travel but I travel so much for work that it's really hard to to get on a plane and go. Well, you've been writing a new album already haven't oh, yeah. you? When, when are we going to see that? I'm hoping um, like next summer or next spring. Got a title for it already? Don't have one yet. So how much of it is written so far? Well, I've written about five songs completed, but I have a tremendous amount of material that we came up with on, on tour to, to sort through and write. You've mentioned one or two other artists who you like. Um, do you have a favorite song of all time that somebody oh, else wow. has written you wish you'd written and wish you'd sung? Many of them. It's really so hard to say one song. I mean, there are so many great writers. I, mean, I love... Joni Mitchell, I think Lennon and McCartney wrote brilliant songs. Um, Burt Backrack and Hal David wrote great songs in the 60s. Um, it, I, I would not be able to name just one.